Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Which coast? Traveling east to west. Aaron Ladd. Oh, he did it! (laughs) Mark Gunnels. At the house on it. Chiefs coast to coast. I really hate it. It is what it is. You know, here I am in Columbia. We made the trip for Larry June. But uh, Coast to Coast is back, man. It's been a minute. Wow. I'm, like, really happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> I got my chest out in honor of Mark Gunnels. This is the Mark Gunnels. This is the Mark Gunnels fit right here. Yeah, man. I'm really proud of you, bro. You know, I didn't even know you was a Larry June fan. That makes you a lot cooler in my book. Wow, really? You don't think I like rap? That's not you don't think I like him? No, it's not about rap, but I didn't know you like Larry June. Larry June's like a different type of rapper. He's not your normal rapper. I was talking to my barber today. Of course, we'll get into Chief stuff later. First show back in a while, but we're just catching up. Um, he like, he, you know, you can put him on in the background, couple songs play, you know, while you're doing other stuff, you know, got laundry, got dishes or whatever. I don't know if I know off the top of my head, like the name of five Larry June songs, but when they play, you know, I know the vibe. I know the chorus. I know right, a couple bars. Right. Yeah, you'll know once you hear it tonight for sure. Let's get this retweet out real quick. Chiefs Coast to Coast is yeah. back on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Aaron Ladd is here in Columbia. I'm at an Airbnb right now going to see Larry June tonight. Mark Gunnels is in L.A. but still repping the, the Kansas Jayhawks. Why? You, you feeling very Hunter Dickinson-like today? Yeah, I mean, that was a big get, man. I mean, Bill Sosa having a great offseason, and they're probably going to get – the McKenzie kid, too, top 10 recruit as well. He's choosing between KU or Indiana. I think by Friday he's making his decision. So Aaron Ladd will be reporting on that this Friday live on Kansas City. <laughs> I can't wait to see how Bill Self gets this underdog team of this plucky team, you know, this this team that wasn't supposed to be there. I can't wait to see how he falls short this time around. <laughs> oh, man, you're so funny. Because you should be rooting for them to go far. Because as far as they go, you're going. Where's the Final Four next year, by the way? I'm not sure. I don't know. I know Kansas won't be there. I'm in Columbia right now, Mark. Come on now. You should know better. I mean, I'm just saying. You're you're a local guy, though. So you got to report on KU. So it's part of the job. It's all about the Chiefs right now, though. Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Chiefs Coast to Coast, episode 45. Plenty of stuff we're going to get to, right? This is our first official pod since Parade Day, February 15th. Almost 12 weeks off for the boys, and uh, we're feeling good. We'll recap the draft, of course, what the environment was like in KC, the haul for Kansas City and their seven draft picks, one in each round. Is this the time for KC to reunite with Frank Clark the Shark? I'll ask Mark Gunnels that later in the show, and then we'll head down to Vegas, of course, on the eve of the NFL schedule release to see what Mark thinks as far as when totals we got a recap though it was your birthday man you just you just had a birthday you just turned 33 or 35 however you will but <laughs> happy belated birthday to mark gunnels man the exact age is 32 to be exact 
What year is that? You know, people say it's like their Jordan year, their Kobe year. What is 32? I mean, the most famous 32 was Magic Johnson, right? Okay. All right. I'll take it's not bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was cool. I had my cousin out here for the weekend. He lives in Dallas. He was out here, uh, stayed with me for the weekend. We went out, you know, had my chest out over the weekend. Oh god. Out here in LA. Oh god. California streets. But uh no, it was a good time, man. Uh, you know, laid back, kicked back on my actual birthday was on a Monday, so I didn't do too much on Monday. I watched the Lakers win though, so that was a great treat at the end of the night. Serta says the next Final Four is in Phoenix, which Chiefs fans fans have very fond memories of. How ironic. So you'll be back in Phoenix again next year. It's great. (laughs) Before we get too deep in the show, we want to make y'all part of the show. It's not a show without y'all. Yes, Mark. Yes, Aaron. But, of course, you all want to hear from y'all. A lot going on in Chiefs land over the offseason. You can, of course, chime in anytime on Twitter, our handles, uh, hashtag C to C, we find those. We also have a voicemail line for y'all, 816-514-1267. The whole voicemail line wide open over the entire offseason. We'll listen to those and toss those up if you have them. If not, we'll be checking the comments and answering some at the end of the show. Let's just jump right into it, man. Busy show. Let, let, let's recap the NFL draft. Mahomes avoids. He's a magician. Chiefs recap. So obviously we'll do our Chiefs deep dive a little bit later, but I want to focus right now first on Kansas City. Kansas City host of the 2023 NFL Draft, April 27th to the 29th, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I say don't take it for granted many times on this platform, but this was truly one of those times, right, Mark? Like, you're the reigning champs, the draft is in your city, uh, the backdrop of Union Station to go off without a hitch, the beautiful, just the sights and sound to see NFL fans from all 32 teams. Yes, Chiefs kingdom dominated, but just to have the draft in the city, the experience, the environment, paint the picture for them, Mark. Yeah, I mean, you said a lot right there. I thought the scenery was dope, you know, seeing the backdrop there, Union Station, especially at nighttime when everything was lit up in the back, background. I thought that was really cool for the city. I just think the overall presentation was really good. I think everything went pretty smooth. Everything was clean. As far as people I know that went as fans, they said it was pretty good to get it in and out. It wasn't that bad. I don't know if people were talking about maybe it would be too congested down there, hard to find parking. I heard it wasn't really that big of an issue. So that's a great sign. And one thing I will say, though, I mean, while it was great for Kansas City and Chiefs fans and everybody else to get that experience, People that aren't Chiefs fans weren't that happy <laughs> that watched it on TV because they thought it was too Chiefs-centric, which, I mean, you kind of have to expect that, though, when the whole city just won the Super Bowl. Like, obviously, with Mahomes and Kelsey coming out with the trophies, flexing, you know, obviously, Clark Hunt came out with the trophies and doing this thing as well. So, People on the outside looking in, I know we have a lot of red glasses here. I know you're the yellow light guy, so maybe not you as much. There we go. But but for most people watching this show, you don't really get the sense of how it felt to watch it if you weren't a Chiefs fan. A lot of non-Chiefs fans didn't like the presentation on TV because they just probably a little jealous, probably a little envy there. I'll get to the Chiefs fatigue in a moment. I just want to focus back in on KC hosting the event, 300,000 plus fans there. And yes, it was a large landscape. You had the draft experience all the way down to the stage, a lot of walking, hope we brought comfortable shoes. 
Weather held up for the most part, which was amazing. Yes, there was a little bit of wind that kind of played into a factor into the Thundercat experience. But I was down there for the entire night one from like noon all the way through to the end. Uh, it, traffic, for the most part, it was laid out. You knew where you couldn't go, where you where you could go, and where you couldn't go. Uh, the streetcar had uh, the most traffic it had ever seen over that time period. I mean, we got to talk about a collection of efforts from Kathy Nelson and the KC Sports Commission down at the Kansas City Chiefs. National Football League, truly a team effort to put this whole thing together. And when we talk about KC being like a rising sports city and being the city that's on the come up, that's not going to just host NFL drafts, but, but host a World Cup here in a few years and some of these big events that are coming to KC. This was kind of one of those test runs. And I would definitely say uh, Kansas City passed with flying colors. But you, you read the shot sheet. You knew what was coming next. People were not very happy that Kansas City was was flexing. And when when Mahomes and Kelsey walk out with the Lombardi trophy and it, it, it's it's very loud in the back. You can kind of hear it in the back. Chiefs Kingdom. I think Mahomes, the first thing he says is uh, Chiefs Kingdom, let me hear you. There was a lot of boos in there and you could hear the other 31 teams kind of letting their voice be heard. Is there that Chiefs fatigue in your opinion, Mark? Oh, 100%. I think we're definitely at that point. I think after they won that second championship, that's when it officially set in. I mean, it was already been building up to that point, right? Even though they only had one Super Bowl before this past one in the Mahomes era. Obviously, they got three overall. But I'm talking about just in Mahomes era. They went to five straight AFC Championship games, so they were always they're always in the hunt. They're always in the mix at the very end. So, and then obviously we know Patrick Mahomes. He's on every news outlet, Fox, ESPN. You know, he's everywhere. You can't get rid of Patrick Mahomes. And there's always this running joke, right? When Somebody does something that's like a Mahomes-like play. They were like, "If Mahomes did that, it would be all. It'll be everywhere." Like we, we always see that, right? Every week. So I do think there is uh, Chiefs fatigue, Mahomes fatigue, Travis Kelsey even now. I mean, he has his podcast with his brother. That's blowing up, doing the concert, music. the concert yeah. jam or whatever. That was yeah. that same weekend. I forgot to throw that in, but Kelsey oh, yeah. was everywhere too. Throwing the the replica trophy. On the ground, uh, people are saying he disrespected the Lombardi Trophy. How could he do that? That's the end of the Chiefs now. That's they're going to be cursed. Like it's just, it's a lot going on, man. But we saw similar things with the New England Patriots when they first came out, when they won the first couple of rings, and people started getting tired of them, of Tom Brady and Belichick and Gronk. So, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, you should be happy that you're in this position because. A lot of teams, a lot of fan bases will never experience this moment. And yeah. beginning, I mean, Mahomes is only 20, 28 years old. It's another one of those don't take it for granted moments. The Chiefs are starting to become that America's team moniker, if you will, to where you either love to root for them or you love to root against them. And that's what makes them so appealing. Obviously, we're on the heels of the NFL schedule release. That's what the league wants. Either, either you love them or you hate them, you're going to be watching no matter what because they've got the stars, they've got Mahomes and Kelsey, they've got the rings, they've got two, been to the last three, and and, and they've got that they've got that draw, right? They've got the the appeal, the, the pull at the heartstrings that makes you want to either root for them or hate against them. Chiefs fatigue is real. We felt it for a very long time. I think it was on big display at the draft because the draft is one of those experiences for all teams where they're full of hope. And every, even teams that won three or four games last year feel like, hey, if we get a draft pick here, we can go on and we could be the Chiefs. We could be that team coming up next. But the Chiefs were there to remind you, we're not done yet. Ooh, <laughs> we're not here. We're not losing just yet. We've got this Lombardi trophy and uh, we're going to hold on to it for at least a few 
more months. Let's talk specifics on what Kansas City's draft actually looked like. Very uh, unison here. I liked this. You know, this is one pick per round in all the rounds. I mean, how simple could it be? KC goes seven for seven. FAU in the first round. Felix Enudike Uzama out of Kansas State. Rasheed Rice, Wanye Morris, Shamari Connor, B.J. Thompson, Keandre Coburn, and Nick Jones. We're a little bit removed from the the draft now, so we don't have to do grades or anything like that. I kind of generally wanted to ask Mark, yeah, what did you make of Brett Veach's approach in this draft uh, versus maybe other drafts where you've seen him work uh, even last year? I think it was a very business like draft. I think he's been kind of doing the same thing the last couple of years, just addressing some needs, not getting too cute, too fancy. Obviously, I don't think he did any flashy moves. I mean, probably the only one you can consider flashy is getting Rasheed Rice in the second round. Obviously, the receiver that we've been talking about receivers, I feel like every week in Chiefs Kingdom on Twitter. So I think that was probably the, the biggest splash move they made. But you know, all in all, I thought they hit the ground running. You know, you get the first round pick, you get Felix, a hometown kid. I think that was obviously flashy in the sense of he's from Kansas City, uh, grew up being a Chiefs fan, went to Lee Summit High School, went to Kansas State. So he's been local pretty much his whole entire life. So what a full circle moment for him to be drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, I think overall, you got an edge rusher, got the receiver, you got you helped the offensive line. You got some competition there, right tackle. And then also you, you built up the DB room a little bit as well, which I think people may have been a little surprised there, right? Because you had obviously the rookie class last year in the secondary with McDuffie, Joshua Williams, uh, the other Williams, right? All the Williams. So I, I do think that was pretty cool. <laughs> All the Williams. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, we're, we're first show back, man. He's shaking the rust back. off. Yeah, yeah, knocking the <laughs> rust off. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think overall it was a good draft. I mean, obviously we won't really know until three years down the road how these guys pan out. I'm not really a big – to maybe to your surprise, I'm not, I'm not a big draft grade guy, actually. Really? No, not, not – I mean, because how can you grade them? You haven't seen them. You yet. can't. But half of the questions you throw out on Twitter, you can't really answer them. They're just there to start debate. I mean, well, I'm just asking questions. I'm not answering them, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, I will say this, though. I, I do think one thing that Beach has done well over the last two years is to get great value, right? You got Trey Smith really late in the draft. Obviously, you got Pacheco in the seventh round. I think one guy that may could fall under that mold is the D tackle from Texas, Coburn. Yeah. In the sixth round. You know, this guy was a second team all Big 12. I watched a few Texas games this year. He stood out, jumped out on the screen a few times, especially I think in the Alabama game where they almost won that one. He made a few plays in that one. I think him falling in the sixth round was a great value based on what a lot of people projected him to go. He was a fourth round grade by most people's projections. So to give him the sixth round, you could be looking at another gym there for Brett Veach. Yeah, this was uh, – and we're going to get to some sound here from Chiefs assistant GM Mike Borgonzi on the Chiefs kind of approach here. I thought the biggest three areas of needs, and I talked about this uh, on a few platforms leading up to the draft, for KC it was both sides of the trenches and then getting another weapon for Patrick Mahomes. You could pretty much say that for last la- – draft next few drafts like you can say that pretty much every year i feel like for kansas city or almost every team the games are won and lost in the trenches 
And then wide receivers are one of those pop positions now where you want to get them when they're in that cheap rookie contract and then let somebody else pay them in case he does exactly that in the first three rounds. They get Morris, they get Rice, they get Felix NUDK Uzama. And then from there, it's just value. From there, it's just filling out the cupboards. And that's kind of what assistant GM Mike Borgonzi talks about in this sound right here. I mean, so you have the two big acquisition periods. So we had free agency to look at, you know, you, you, at the end of the season, what's the strengths and weaknesses and what ultimately are our needs. And so, you know, you look at what can we fill in free agency that makes sense. And then head into the draft, you look at, you know, what the needs are. And, you know, fortunately, we have a pretty good roster here. Um, so, you know, we're just getting really guys to come in here and compete and uh, add depth to the roster right now. Fortunately, we have a pretty good roster here, the reigning world champions say. We're just bringing guys in who will fill out the roster, add depth, and compete for positions. I think that was kind of their approach to this draft. They got guys who can go in, play what they want, fit their mold, can play a couple of different positions. And Felix Enudike Uzama is one of those players. This is from Nick Schwert on Twitter. FAU is only 21 years old at age 19 playing in the Big 12. He had 14 and a half tackles for loss and 11 sacks. Age matters in the draft. I think they got a, a a guy who can fit in and come and play. And who said it was his lifelong dream to play for the Chiefs at number 31 overall. Yeah, absolutely. And how about this? And I think this is fascinating as well. How about this is the third time in Brett Veach's career as the GM. He drafted a raw receiver in the second round. McCole Hardman, obviously last year, Sky Moore, and then now Rasheed Rice. I think McCole Hardman overall, I know there's been a lot of mixed opinions on his tenure here. Oh, this is Ka- this is Cape coming right here. There's there's about to there's about to be some some Cape right here. You're I think putting, over, putting a 17, Cape. Overall, I think it was a success because he did make plays in key moments that helped the Chiefs get to the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously, remember when they were down 24-0 against the Houston Texan Texans. He had that big kick return that started the momentum. He, he's made a lot of big plays. Obviously, we know the gadget stuff that he does. So I don't think he lived up to the expectations of maybe a lot of Chiefs fans because obviously you had like a DK Metcalf out there, right, that that went, right? And then you had other receivers around him that were drafted before that you think the Chiefs probably could have gotten that obviously lived up to star potential. But I think in his role – he was a star in his role for the Chiefs. So I can't really call that just a complete miss. It wasn't a home run, but I think it was a it was a double. It was a double. Can it was a C. It? If we're giving grades out, the McColl pick was like a C plus. It, so that's a, that's a double. <laughs> a double. Maybe, maybe a single. Maybe a single. But okay. It wasn't, it wasn't a strikeout, though. It wasn't a strikeout. About this year's class, Mark Gunnels. Give us something on this year's but, class. But no, I was just, but I was making that point to say the jury's obviously still open on Sky Moore. He didn't have a lot of opportunities last year. I think that's going to change this season with the way the receiving room is looking right now. And then going to Rasheed Rice. I know there's this thing where rookies don't really play that big of a role in Andy Reid's system. So you probably shouldn't have too high expectations for Rasheed Rice. But if the receiver room stays the way it is right now, I think that may have to change because you only have one true veteran in the room and that's MVS. So should, isn't it fair to say that we should expect a higher role for this rookie receiver 
if the receiver room stays the way it is right now. We'll talk Chiefs wide receiver room later in Chiefs coast to coast. Okay. We're going to go right. bow on, on the draft right now. And I'll okay. put one more thing on Rasheed Wright because I do think this will be part of our conversation later. Just what he brings to the Chiefs offense in terms of a deep threat uh, and also a guy who can play some of those intermediates. But specific to his deep threat ability, this is from Mike Tanier, I believe I'm pronouncing this on Twitter. Rasheed Rice drew 13 pass interference penalties in 2022, was the highest figure in the nation. He was second in the nation on 37 targets of 20-plus air yards or more, and he caught 18 of them. Something, certainly something that Casey has shown their ability and propensity to like to do in the offensive game, and it seems like Rasheed Rice has the skill set to be able to fit in there. One note quickly from Steven Serta. This just came across on the Chiefs. On Monday, June 5th, President Biden will welcome us to the White House to celebrate our championship season and victory in Super Bowl 57. Yes? Yeah, yeah. She's going to the White House. Okay. And that's actually a big deal because they didn't get a chance to do it in 2020, obviously because of COVID. So, you know, the players that are still on the team from then, it's not that many, actually. So they'll be able to uh, experience that this year around. Yeah, we'll be cool to see that and follow that and just see how this whole year will be different. I remember one of my first games covering the Chiefs was that weird ring night, banner night thing where there was only 16,000 fans in the stand. This time around, you get the full experience, you get the full victory lap, including the White House visit. How about two players that were not on that team or last year's team will play a crucial part in this upcoming season for the Chiefs, it's the tackle position, which has been one of our hot topics on arrowheadpride.com. Juwan Taylor, Donovan Smith look like they will protect Patrick Mahomes on the right and left side, respectively. Are they the answer right now? Or what do you make of it? I mean, it's currently May 10th. The Chiefs will not play a meaningful football game for a very long time. But as it sits right now, Chiefs Kingdom on Twitter, which you're the king of, seems a little nervous about those two tackle positions. What do you think? Yeah, so my stance right now is I like Jawan Taylor. I think he brings the athleticism that the Chiefs didn't have on the outside, but yeah. I was under impression that he would be the left tackle. So that when they got Donovan Smith. But why does that change your thought? Because I've seen that. I've seen that yeah. line of thing. Is it just the money? Is it just the dollar figures? Yeah, it's the money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Obviously, we know left tackle is higher demand than right tackle. So if he plays right tackle at that money, He's one of the top five highest paid right tackles. And I just didn't envision that. And, you know, Donovan Smith, he's a veteran. He's obviously been around the block a while. But if you look at him the last couple of years, he's regressed. I mean, he then he's had injury issues as well. He's always one of the top guys in holding penalties. So something that's not really uh, I'm looking forward to, I would have loved him as a depth piece. Now, if you were to tell me he's your backup left tackle and he's backing up uh, Juwan Taylor, then you have at the right tackle position the battle between Lucas Niang and rookie Wanye Morris. I'm all in at that point. I love it. But him as a starting right left tackle, I'm I'm, I'm yellow light lad on that one. I, wow. I'm, I'm a little I'm a little nervous. Look at Guttle showing some pause. I got to be a little nervous if he's my starting left tackle. I, I got to be honest with you. I wanted Juwan Taylor to be that guy. I, I agree with you on uh, Taylor kind of fitting some of that athletic profile that they like from their offensive linemen. For the Chiefs in their tackle position this offseason, I feel like there was maybe 32 options on the board, right? Like a couple of those options included Orlando Brown. 
A couple of those options included Juwan Taylor. A couple of those options included Donovan Smith. I think some of those options included trading up for a guy in the first round. And we heard rumors about that for a while. We heard, we heard, I even saw Pete Sweeney tweeting out on draft night that they were looking for a partner and weren't getting the same type of feedback that they were used to getting. Maybe so that cheese fatigue kind of seeping into how GMs do business and how GMs do trades. Anyway, all those through 32 options on what to do with the tackle. One of those options is we bring Donovan Smith in on a team friendly deal and he starts or breaks camp as the starter. The deal is team friendly, and we've gotten details. This is from Greg Allman, who does a great job covering the Bucks on Twitter. He tweeted earlier this week, Donovan Smith's one-year deal with the Chiefs was reported up to $9 million, but without incentives, it's just a $3 million deal with a base salary being $1.98 million. So really, even if he does end up being your backup, Mark, I think the Chiefs fans can swallow that knowing we brought in another option to kind of compete, sharpen up the tools in the toolbox, uh, a guy who's got veteran experience and that can add to that room, whether it's playing or just adding information. And the Chiefs kind of are good. It's going to be a look last year. It wasn't perfect. And they ended up winning the whole dang thing. So, you know, Mahomes is going to have to cover up some aspect of it not being perfect. And he knows that you kind of just go into the season saying this is what we landed on. Here we go. Yeah. And I think my confusion comes in the, the with, with this part, the fact that they drafted Wanye Morris in the third round. And if you're making Donovan Smith your left tackle, you're eliminating the comp- competition at the right tackle position because it's going to be Taylor. There will be no competition there. I was under the impression when you drafted Morris, it will be open competition for him and Lucas Niang at the right tackle spot. But like I said, if Smith is your left tackle, then there's no competition at right tackle at all. I don't think that this is a done deal. I mean, it's obviously May 10th. It's early. We're looking at stuff on paper. I think the Donovan Smith move was a surprise to many of us. I would not be shocked if there would be another surprise move down the stretch. I think there still is competition uh, on both sides of the line. But as Andy Reid said, Smith and Taylor, your guys, as of right now. How about another hot topic? We're moving right through. 25 minutes here on Chiefs Coast to Coast, episode 45. I was going back and forth with my guy Country over this one because – he just shouted out and said, there's no need for the Chiefs to redo Mahomes' contract. And I said, there's no way you can believe this. Like, I know Chiefs fans in the deep depths of their heart want that contract to be what he plays on, but it's just not going to happen. He's outperformed that contract three years in, and it was a half a billion dollar contract then. Yes, he's incentivized by winning. Yes, I know he has endorsements out the ass and he's getting paid off the field. But the goal is to keep the franchise happy, Mark Gunnels. And I'm going to do that by any means necessary if I'm Clark Hunt in the front office. Actually, I saw that back and forth on uh, my timeline earlier. I did see that. Uh, shout out the country and kingdom cast, by the Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, what? Well, I guess here's what I'm trying to see where you're coming from. Are you saying if Mahomes comes to the table, then do whatever? Are you saying just give it to him without him even – wanting a raise or restructuring because there's no point in doing it if he's not asking for it like if he's happy with the house looking right now and him and his agent are i don't i don't see the point of just going out your way to say hey here you go here's a raise in your your account today buddy you didn't ask for it we're just gonna give it to you anyway like, I, I don't i don't see what's the point of doing that 
Okay, so I'm gonna add. Let me add some pieces of context uh, off Twitter. We did our research before the show, and then I'll give my opinion. This from Pro Football Talk, which kind of re-stirred the pot on this conversation as far as Mahomes deserving a new deal. Florio says expect Mahomes before the season to begin to once begin once again begin. Oh my gosh, to once again be the highest paid player in league history. The details will be interesting. Differing interpretations. Uh, basically, they're going to simply tack on three more years and a penny more than 156 million on the back end of the current deal to make him among the highest paid. And C. Dot, who's a good friend of the program, and I've had him on the show multiple times, said the Chiefs are still in constant communication with Mahomes. There's an understanding that they will come to an agreement at some point as a handshake deal. Look, I don't think Mahomes is barging in the facility this week and saying, I'm sick of y'all. Y'all haven't paid me. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I played on one. Look, I'm not saying that that's happening. But I think everybody understands what the elephant in the room is. Each and every time a new guy gets paid, Mahomes gets bumped further and further down that list. Whether you want to call it optics, whether you want to call it taking care of the franchise, whatever you want to call it, he's due for a raise, which is the lower third here. Chiefs Kingdom saw Patrick Mahomes, or excuse me, saw Tom Brady do it for years and said, oh, well, look what you can do with a lower raise. And they'll prop that up as an example. But that's not guaranteed, man. That's not guaranteed. And if you want to take care of this guy, you want everything to be happy and roses. And as we've talked about on this program before, you want him to, to not use that 15 switch and say, all right, I want to do this or I want to do that. And you want to make sure everything's simpatico. Take care of it before, before it becomes a problem. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, now that you're coming from that angle, then, yeah, I agree. I do think there will be a point where they do come to the table and uh, restructure that contract to where it, it meets, you know, close to where it should be. I don't think Mahomes is going to break the bank. I, I still think at the end of the day he does understand that, you know, obviously the more salary that he takes on, the less talent is going to be around him. And I, and I truly do believe that he's one of those guys that is chasing championships. And I do think he is chasing Tom Brady. But obviously, I, there will be some type of restructure at some point that makes sense for both sides. So, yeah, I do agree with that. I don't think it's going to happen before this season. I think uh, that's a little uh, jump in the gun there. I, I think they're going to wait to see what happens with Joe Burrow. Uh, that could happen this offseason. But you want to do it before then, right? Like, well, like if you're the Chiefs, you want to do it before Burrow gets paid and before the, these some of these other contracts get done because that secures you from well, having to right. the number. But does Mahomes and his team want to do it before? <laughs> Let's hear what Clark Hunt had to say about this. He was asked about this draft week before the second round, and this is what he had to say about Mahomes' contract. Well, I, I, I don't know that there's really a way uh, to quantify it uh, financially. And, uh, you know, no matter, you know, what he makes over his career, I'm, I'm sure one way or another he'll be underpaid. Uh, the great thing about Patrick is uh, when we did that deal, he recognized that he wanted to give the club the flexibility to build the team around him. And that contract was structured in that way. Uh, we're only one year uh, into a 10-year contract, so, so there's a long ways to go. But I think what Patrick cared most about uh, was winning. Um, and uh, he certainly has been able to do a lot of that. Uh, Brett Veach has had enough flexibility uh, to be able to add uh, quality players each year, and that's you know part of the reason why we were able to lift the Lombardi Trophy again. My whole thing is you don't want Mahomes to even have to come to the table. You want to meet him in the driveway and say, hey, bro, I got something for you. And even if it's not a perfect deal, it shows that you're willing to work with a guy that's done everything for you. 
And, and this is a conversation that we'll continue to have, but that, that's my stance as of it. Yeah, but I mean, based on everything that we know, they're in constant communication. Him, Mahomes, Beach, Hunt, Andy Reid, they're all in they're all on the same page here. I I don't really have too much concern that they'll get something figured out. How soon will it happen? Who knows? But I, I don't think uh Chiefs Kingdom should be too worried about it. Because Mahomes, at the end of the day, he wants to win. He's chasing the ghost in Tom Brady. Rolling right along here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. Just talked about Mahomes' contract, and we'll preview the Chiefs' schedule later in the show, so stick with us for that. But right now, I want to talk about Chris Jones' Twitter account because he has dedicated his Twitter account to one thing and one thing only. And I never thought I would see this happen. I don't even think it's really worthy of what he has dedicated his account to. But Chris Jones said has he will tweet this every single day until it happens, and it's the Chiefs reuniting with – defensive lineman Frank Clark. He was cut earlier in the offseason, one of the earlier moves, uh, salary cap saving. I, I had to look up and see what the exact figure was. But Chris Jones says he wants to run it back. I think he even tagged Mike Pinnell as well, which is a former Chiefs D lineman. We'll talk specifically about the unit um, in this in this segment as well. But, Mark, very simply, should the Chiefs bring back the shark, Frank Clark? I mean, yeah, if it's on a team-friendly deal. You know, the veteran minimum. Sure, why not? <laughs> if you want to come work for free, sure. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. $1.5 million is not just, you know, if we got that, that wouldn't be for free, right? You, you'll be living it. You'll be in the, you'll be in the hills out here in L.A. Yeah, you wouldn't have no sacks, though. It, it, it wouldn't be <laughs> it wouldn't <be> any sacks. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I am a little surprised that he's pushing so hard. I mean, obviously, I know they have a great relationship. They're friends off the field. I get all of that. But the timing of it is kind of funny to me because he just started doing this like, what, two week, a week ago or so? It just started. He's it was this week. It, it, yeah. it really, ran, it really yeah. ramped up this week. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Serta here. The Chiefs saved $21 million against the cap by cutting Clark. Smart, wow. de- smart decision. Yeah, I would say so. But it's, it's interesting, right, because they have a lot of – they have some depth down at the edge because you, you brought in a who from the Niners. I feel like that move has been talked about enough. Then you got obviously Felix. You still got GK there in his second year. You know, you got some bodies there. I mean, it wouldn't hurt bringing Clark back on a cheap deal as a rotational piece, obviously. So I'm, I'm all for that. But I'm just not sure if he's going to come back on that type of deal. I could see some team maybe giving a little bit more than you know just the real the vet minimum so we'll see but the fact that chris jones is pushing it so hard makes me believe that he's in communication with clark and he knows something that we may not know so we'll see what ends up happening at the end of the day but i'm all for it on a cheap deal that doesn't hurt the cap i think this is kingdom cast in the chat right now the the newest member is that is that dmac oh is that that D-Mac D-Mac on YouTube account? he yeah, says the chiefs, uh, yeah. the chiefs already sunk seven million in dead cap into cutting Frank this year to kind of save the 21 mil. And, and it's interesting you mentioned the edge depth. Mike Clay, who does a great job from ESPN, does a bunch of their fantasy stuff. He ranked all 32 teams as far as their edge rush units are concerned. And he has the Chiefs 23 out of 32. Carloftis, FAU, Aminahue, Mike Dana, and Malik Herring. Looking at that group on paper, I would like to see them add someone. And this is Brett Veach we're talking about. It's May 10th. 
by the time we get down to St. Joe, we'll be having the same conversation. And then, oh, my goodness, here comes Carlos Dunlap. Oh, my goodness. Here comes uh, Sugg. Who comes Terrell Suggs? Like, the Chiefs every year. We're looking at their paper. We're looking at their unit on paper. Eh, leave some room to be desired. Maybe Frank Clark again. And then, oh, my goodness, they bring in a guy on a vet minimum or with the last little bit of their cap savings. I'm not worried about it now. Yes, I see the room for growth and improvement. Um, but I don't know if we automatically have to say Frank Clark. I know he gives you the, the warm, fuzzy feelings. I think it would be cool for him to go out as he went out last year. I, I, I know I'm not a Chiefs fan. I wouldn't want to taint that. That 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 moment of him hugging Spags that I tweeted out, the moment that he's on the bench kind of letting it all soak in, that whole season, kind of the, the ebbs and flows. I know Chiefs fans have gone hot on him and gone completely cold on him. Uh, it's okay to close that chapter and say we can get somebody younger uh, and cheaper. And I've always said I do believe they'll bring one of the two back between him or Dunlap. I agree. Yeah, but it's going to be like you mentioned. It's going to be a late signing. In the, it's going to be like 100 degrees outside in Kansas City. It's going to be, going to be sweating <laughs> out there uh, reporting for your network, and it's going to happen just randomly, like in June or something. Don't remind me. Let's preview the Chiefs schedule. Stop it. Stop it. You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. I'm mad that this Airbnb's Wi-Fi is better than my home Wi-Fi. I just want, I just want to point that out. That, I was gonna say, man, I'm waiting for it to, I'm waiting for it to jump or something like that, so I can use that excuse. But nah, just, just humming right along. <laughs> We're on the eve of the NFL schedule release, but we actually already know a little information. We'll start with that before we give our predictions. The international series will feature the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. This year, they will play the Miami Dolphins in Germany. A lot of fans will be looking forward to that. Sunday, November 5th, the world will be watching that one. And then another game that many people had hoped and had their eyes around for early in the year, it's actually going to be one of the final games of the regular season slate, an AFC Championship game rematch, the Chiefs hosting the Cincinnati Bengals in Week 17, a game that's not in prime time either. It'll be a 325 kick from GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Mark your reactions from those two announcements that came today, Wednesday. Well, I think the obvious place to start here is the disappointment that we're not going to see the Tyreek Hill return to Kansas City. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm really shocked. I mean, I know the NFL probably, well, obviously they, they didn't care about it. <laughs> it's pretty, they, they, made it very, they made it very clear they didn't care about Tyreek Hill's return to Kansas City. But I did thought before that that would be something that they would like to see. You know, the, the environment at Arrowhead would have been crazy. I thought it could have been potentially the week one game. You know, when you get the banner, the rings, and then obviously the angle of winning without Tyreek in the first year. He's been talking all offseason about coming back to KC. He's going to put up the do sign in Arrowhead. So I really thought that would be a game that they wanted to keep in Kansas City. So I, I, I'm relatively shocked that they chose that to be the Germany game. I really am. What's your thoughts on that? I agree. I thought it was either going to be Chicago because that's what we had heard for so long, but it made sense. And, and we kind of gotten explanations for each one of these rumors along the way, right? So Chiefs Bears was the rumor for so long. 
there was a couple outlets out of Chicago and I believe even a German newspaper that had put out that it was the Bears. And then we heard the Chiefs don't want that. That's one of their largest away fan bases that comes to KC. They don't want that. They want that game to be a home game. So then from there, I was like, okay, Detroit makes the most sense because you want all the other marquee games. Detroit, eh, kind of one of those burgeoning teams. We don't know where they will be. That They've played in, in the international series before. Maybe that makes sense. Never did Miami cross my mind because of the Tyreek thing, right? It just made too much sense whether that game was to start the season off, whether that game was going to be in mid-October. It didn't matter. You wanted that build-up, that week-long theater of – Tyreek Hill returns to Kansas City where he played for so long and they're coming off a Super Bowl victory without him. And it just it, it I was just shocked when I saw the Dolphins. I had to like rub my eyes when I first woke up in the morning. I was like, this, this, is this a typo? What, what's going on? The Cincinnati thing makes sense. They played late in the season before. I, I believe they played week 17 back when there was only 18 regular season, 18 regular season weeks two or three years ago. So it makes sense they're playing late. That'll be a game that I think CBS wants to arm hold. That's another reason why we saw it at 325. That network knows how valuable those two teams are to, to their ratings in the AFC. So I'm not as shocked with that one. Uh, I do think that was a game that would have made a lot of sense for week one as well. But I get it. They want to spread that one out, especially if these two teams potentially meet in the playoffs once again. Uh, that would be a fun, you know, play late in the season and then play again in the playoffs. But now all our attention turns to week one. And let's not focus too much time here because people will have the schedule potentially by the time they they listen to this pod. But from this point on, I'm thinking it, it's Buffalo Bills. Uh, I'm thinking Bills week one at home on ring night. I'm a little surprised you went there. I, I think the Bills will be like a midseason type of game just because of the AFC standings or whatever. I could see it being like an October-ish game, maybe November. To me, I think week one is going to be – a Super Bowl rematch. I think the Eagles. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, you got the Kelsey brother angle. They got the podcast rolling. Obviously, it was a great Super Bowl matchup. Yeah. You know, you got Donna Kelsey's gonna be there for ring night. You go, you got both both the sons there and Arrowhead. I think that makes a lot of sense to have that one as your week one game. Now, Donna Kelsey was active on Facebook. Did you see her post? I heard that was fake news. That <laughs> Was a little, was a little <laughs> news. She yeah. said she's Eagles week two, but that can't happen because Beyonce will be playing at Arrowhead the next day mm. during week two. And the Royals also have a home series that Sunday. So and the Chiefs would have to be on the road week two. The Chiefs have to be on the road week two. Well, it, it comes out tomorrow, man. We'll see. The, the, the NFL schedule release has turned into one of these things where they breadcrumb us for so long. Yeah. Just, just give me the damn thing already, man. Let me, get my week, let me get my week two prediction, though. So I can okay, go yeah. ahead. So, so week one, you're giving us a Super Bowl rematch. Yeah. Chiefs on the road week two. Where are they going? Week two at the Jets. Mm. And you know why? Because they want to make sure they get Mahomes Rodgers this year. The last two times uh, Mahomes had what he had COVID or was he hurt? I can't remember. He was hurt. I don't remember. He was hurt. I think the other time Rogers had COVID. That's what it was. Yeah. Jordan Love started. I think they want to make sure that's an early season game to eliminate the possibility of either one of them being hurt, so we can finally see them play each other for the first time. So I think that's your week two, probably a Sunday night game. Mark's giving us his predictions, so let's just keep it going. Let's head on down to Vegas. Oh, there it is. There it is. Two touchdowns. Win by at least Let's go to Vegas with Mark. You've been down there with the Lakers, I see. 
Have you hey, been winning at least? Are you I'm down there winning? Man. I've been doing good. You know, I feel great. I have a fresh slate now for the Chiefs. I'm 0 0. I'm about to give you a season long prediction. So we won't know this until about January, maybe December, because I think they're going to hit my total sooner than that. But let's go. All right, Mark's in Vegas. He's got a clean slate. He's feeling smiling ear to ear. I don't know if I, I don't know if I like this. Mark, <laughs> the Chiefs win total over under is at 11 and a half. Give us your analysis and your pick. Yeah, so I think the the right play here is to go over. Uh, the, the Chiefs have had 12 or more wins every season Mahomes has started. So I don't see why that's going to change this year. If you look at their division, right, I think you could pretty much chalk up a split with the Chargers. That's kind of standard, right? Go one-on-one -on -one with them. But if you look at the Raiders, I mean, they got Jimmy G starting a quarterback this year. I'm not sure what their direction is. I think that's a sweep. The Broncos, I do actually think Russell Wilson will play better this year, which is not saying much, but they do got Sean Payton there. So I think the Broncos could be sneaky good this year, but they still haven't beat the Chiefs since 2015. Terrible. They've been since 2015. So I have to say a sweep there as of right now. So you're looking at five wins right now in the division. And then we know the schedule. You know, you got what the Jags, you got the Bengals, the Bills, the Lions, Bears. It's a tough schedule on paper, but it always is with the Chiefs. It always is, Aaron. And even before last year, we're talking about how brutal it was. The second half of the season looked pretty light. So it looks tough now. But will it really look that way when we're looking at it in October? We'll see. But I like the over for the Chiefs at 11 and a half. I think you got to take the over. Mark, before I even press play on this podcast, I knew you were going to take the over on Chiefs win total. I mean, that's like saying water is wet. Like, come <laughs> on, dog. Like, I mean, what are, what are you taking? <sighs> I, let me see the schedule first. How about that? Let me see the schedule first. You want to see the way it, the line? The order. I want to see the way it shakes out. Because remember last year they had that first eight that was like so brutal and the most grueling start to a season ever that we had ever seen. Yeah. I mean, the over sounds like easy money as long as you got 15 back there. But let me see it. Let me digest it. And, and then I'll make my official call. We got somebody chiming in in the comments already. Danny, Denny B, been very active, says 14 and three without even seeing the lineup, without even seeing the order. 14 and three. Sure, we'll go with that. Love seeing y'all in the, in the chat and chiming in. We'll take your questions here. Questions, comments, criticisms, concerns here in a second. Want to run through rookie camp because I was there for two of the three days and got a good look at um, the draftees as well as some undrafted free agents and some tryout guys and just wanted to give my takeaways on that. This will be re really fast because Larry June is calling. Uh, Felix and Udike Uzama kind of ramped up throughout the week. Uh, Andy Reid says he had a thumb surgery pre-draft that um, – you know, is still healing and they're going to ramp him up gradually. He didn't have a helmet for the first two days. The third day of practice, he had his helmet. And look, these these rookie camp, mini camp practices are really to just get the guys into the flow of things, kind of teach them how they do business at one arrowhead way, how they practice, how they lift, how the play calls sound, how you break the huddle, like very, very basic stuff. Um, you're not tackling, you're in shorts. Like these are... These are basically basically skeleton practices. Um, so the Chiefs are being very hesitant and, and, and ramping him up gradually, which is the smart thing to do. Uh, I, I expect him to be ready for training camp. I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, one thing I did notice is Rasheed Rice was taking punts. 
And I thought that was interesting because obviously with the increased role that we're going to see from Kadarius Tony, I highly doubt he's going to be that guy. We know Sky Moore, the troubles that he had back there. So no, what gonna... happened? I didn't hear. Well, <laughs> to his defense, though, he did have the big one in the AFC Championship game, though. But I don't see him doing that as well with an increased role. So are we expecting Rasheed Rice to be the punt return guy this year? I, if I had to pick right now on, on May 10th to name a, a punt return guy, it'd be Justin Watson. He's going to catch it every time and, and down the ball and then give it back to 15, which is really all you need from your punt returner. I think Kadarius Tony is going to slide into that Tyreek Hill role once he had or he once had as far as like, yo, you're like our we need a seven points on this punt return or we need good field position on this one. Yeah. Go out there and make a play for us like you did in the Super Bowl. But we're only going to use that in special occasions. You're not going to be our every down return specialist type thing. And, and, and I think that role fits him well. If, if it's me, if it's up to me, Justin Watson does it. Rasheed Rice should have experience doing it. And that's why he was practicing it on in, in rookie camp, because there might be a chance when his name gets called to get thrown out there. Yeah, we got a question from Keith. Up, Who do you guys think is our sleeper draft pick? Yeah, I kind of mentioned it earlier. You probably went around. But I think it's the kid from Texas, the D-tackle, Colburn. You got him in the sixth round. A lot of people had him graded as a fourth-round grade. So getting him in the sixth round, I think that could be another Brett Beach special where you get great value very, very late in the draft. I'll go with the corners. Shamari Connor and Nick Jones, they'll both play an impact on special teams, which we know KC likes to get out of their defensive backs. Connor fits the mold. He's athletic. He can make a, a, a lot of the rangy plays. He's sticky. Um, he, he's a guy that's going to contribute, doesn't like to talk a lot, just goes out there and lets his play do the talking. KC plays their DBs that they draft late. Nick Jones mentioned that in his introductory Zoom. He said, heck, if I can go out there, look it out there on what they did last year with some of these guys that they drafted late out of HBCUs and, and other opportunities, he feels like he can contribute. Um, I, I think there's going to be room for all those guys to play did you, it. Did you hear the whispers about Connor, Aaron? What was that? He's the Legereus Sneed replacement. Oh, what? <laughs> Look, it, it makes sense. You, you draft ahead of your needs, right? So if you know that, hey, eventually we're not going to be able to pay. If we give Chris Jones an extension this offseason and restructure Mahomes' deal, we're not going to be able to pay a guy like Legereus Sneed. Draft before you draft ahead of your needs, and I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. I know, I know, Sneed is a name that many people have tried to put a a, a price tag on now and see what his value is just before uh, it's too late. Yeah, so something to watch out for. Uh, can Kadarius Tony be the team's wide receiver one? This doesn't have to be long. I know we'll talk about this again. Uh, it, do you trust K, Do you trust KT uh, going into going into the season as your as your one wide receiver one? It's, this is the weird question, right? Because I, I trust his ability. I trust his skill set. I don't trust him staying healthy. So if you're asking me overall, then I'm going to have to say no because I have to see him play at least 13, 14 games to where I can quantify him being the number one. And we just haven't seen that yet. Now, maybe the thinking is you got him in the Chiefs facility for a full offseason. You got him under our umbrella. We yeah. make sure he's right. And maybe the Giants, they weren't, you know, doing the, the things that we would do to make sure that he is uh, staying healthy for m most of the season. So, but until I see it, I, I can't bank on it. But I'm not doubting his ability at all as a number one. He just has to stay on the field. 
to me, I don't think the Chiefs will have a wide receiver one. I kind of talked about this a lot last year. It'll be a, it'll be a melting pot of different guys. One day it'll be the Kadarius Tony game. One day it'll be the Sky Moore game. One day it'll be the Rasheed Rice game. Eight games it'll be the Travis Kelsey game, and the Chiefs win twelve games and host the AFC title game. Like I, I think this wide receiver one conversation is a little overblown. I threw it in because it's a hot topic and a lot of people want to know, but. I, I'm not counting on Kadarius Tony to stay healthy the entire year, and that's just based off past history. If he does it, that's amazing. That's gravy. Um, but just based off of the Chiefs have used him in the past, uh, I don't see it happening. Another room that I think is interesting, and we're closing out here. I see a couple questions, so I'll, I'll just toss this one up before we take a few for the audience. The running back room. Uh, Jarek McKinnon comes back. He's re-signed. Obviously, Isaiah Pacheco is back. He had some off-season surgeries, which Andy Reid confirmed. I think a torn labrum and a hand surgery. They expect him to be ready in time for training camp. Daneric Prince is a UDFA guy that they brought in and they believe in who could contribute. And then there's the man of the hour. Fifth-year option declined, but he will be a chief in 2023. Specific to his 2023 role, what do you see as the role for number 25, Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Yeah, I know a lot of people were trying to get rid of him. They were throwing out trade ideals, thrown to the curve, all of that, right? But I like him as your third guy, or even if he's. Oh, your third guy. Yeah. What? Okay. We'll put him over McKinnon. Continue. I want you to go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I I think he's your third guy. And I think it's a, it's a mixture of him and McKinnon and number two It's not really a stronghold on number two, but they'll be in the mix there. Right. Obviously Pacheco's your number one. We know that for sure. As far as the pecking order goes, but it's not a bad alternative of him as your number three or number two guy. I mean, the guy's been around the system. He he's, he was actually productive when he was playing. I know he didn't Say it. Know. Please say it. Thank you. Please yeah. say it. The guy was productive when he was on the field. And if he has a lesser role, the odds of him staying healthy are a little higher. So I, I think it's not a bad thing. I don't know why, why Chiefs fans are so in a rush to get rid of him. I, I don't get it. Keep him around for this last year on a cheap deal. And he's probably the best number three in the league if he's your number three. I mean, for crying out loud. Yeah, I don't even think Clyde would like to hear this if he heard this right now. But him being the two or the three headed into the season actually helps him. The expectations are lower. The playing time, the weight, the bang, the impact on your body is lower. Yes, when you come in, you're expected to shine with your limited opportunities. But I... I think this is kind of a win-win for KC. I still see a role for him potentially in 2024. I know they declined the option, but as far as a depth piece, as far as knowing the system and playing the role that they want, I I see a role for him in the pass game as well as the run game. Jarek McKinnon can't play all 19, all 18 regular season games, plus whatever the playoffs looks like. Isaiah Pacheco can't do that either. It's going to have to be a running back by committee. Look around the league and tell me how many teams are running an RB1 on first, second, and third down. It, it doesn't happen anymore. The league doesn't look like that anymore. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is one of these guys with the fan base where we talked about Frank Clark earlier. They're hot and cold. His debut was one of the hottest. I mean, the, people thought they had Jamal Charles reincarnated. He went crazy. Him against They just played Houston 18 times, right? Like, uh, I, I think Clyde's going to come back with the new energy. Yes, I know he skipped the parade, and that, that didn't look great. Uh, I even I who has a 25 cape cannot put my 25 cape on for that one. He should have been at the damn parade, and I would tell him that if he was here. Even if he didn't want to do any interviews or felt like he was mad because he wasn't active for the Super Bowl, whatever, he should have been there. But despite that, 
He's back with KC now. And this is what general manager Brett Veach had to say about Clyde Edwards Lair entering 2023. That's just being over now. That another thing that will get addressed here here soon. And um, you know, we're um we're excited though for, for Clyde this season. Actually, he was the first guy I saw in the building today. Um, in, in tremendous shape. So um, he's a good football player. He's going to help us out here. And again, with these guys that, um, you know, we have a list of things to do with a bunch of these guys. And, and now that the draft is officially ended, um, you know, in, in the next coming weeks, now's the time when we go through all that stuff and um, start making our plans for the future. Um, but needless to say, we're, we're excited to have him back in the building today and look forward to, um, you know, uh, hopefully a healthy 20, 2023 campaign from him. In the words of the late, great Therese Paler, the contract year is undefeated, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire is in a contract year with the Chiefs this year. First guy in the building that he saw. Very telling. <laughs> Very telling. Let's take these couple questions here. Danny B says, how many wide receivers for the Chiefs go over 1,000 yards? Probably just one, if that. If that. I mean, because we're not counting Travis Kelsey, who's tied in. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, we already said we don't trust Tony to stay healthy enough because he's got to play 16, 17 games to even get that 1,000 yards. You're not going to get that in 12 or 13 games. Sky Moore uh, is like seven, 800-ish. I don't see it. It might not be nobody. It might not be one. Yeah, I don't think it happens. I think you have three or four guys who go above 500 yards. And, and maybe that that works out. MVS might be the closest to breaking a thousand yards just because you can pencil him in as there every time he's done it. He's an experienced veteran, yada, 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 play with Mahomes. Um, but the Chiefs era of having a dominant number one receiver that goes over a thousand yards. It's over. It, it don't it ain't happening no more. Yeah, I mean, I think Tony can, but I just don't trust him to be available for enough games to get that a thousand yards. 56 minutes, man. Efficient. Look at yeah. that. We, we back in our back. This felt good. I'm like, we back on the mic now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, first episode back. Got you with your shirt off. Oh. About to go see June. Hopefully you post on your story so we can uh, be there with you and feel the experience. Uh, where's it going to be at? Where's he performing at out there? It's at the Blue Note. The Blue Note in I've Columbia. Been there before. Yeah. I know the Blue Note. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's downtown Como, right? <laughs> You've been to Columbia? I went to school 30 minutes away, Aaron. At Lincoln. Right. You got to check in when you come to Columbia now. Look, look, make, sure, make, make, make sure you... Can I wear this with you when I'm in, when I'm in Columbia? All right, we're done. Coast to Coast is out of here. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.